What do you think about scaling your business? This is a question that we hear all too often, and it's one that can be difficult to answer. It's hard to know whether or not you're ready for this next level of growth, especially if you've never done it before. That said, there are some signs that will help you decide when it might be time to scale up your operation. In this episode of the Jamie J Podcast, we are talking scale. What scaling is, when it's time to scale, and why scale truly does equal freedom. Let's go for it right now. I'm a man. Welcome everyone. I got a little, uh, little bit of a different, different view, different show, different things going on today. Live from the gazebo, like Mick says. Super excited to be here. Hey, so it's really about understanding what scale is. What, what scale? Right? Scale is it like putting something and weighing it, this and that? Maybe a little bit, because a portion of scale, really, truly, a portion of scale is making sure that we are maximizing our existing resources without adding a ton more. Scale is the is the ability to be able to grow, to grow beyond what we have without adding a ton of extra costs, a ton of extra resources, a ton of extra stuff. Scale will enable you to grow. Scale will equal growth. When you scale your business, when you do it effectively, you'll grow both uh, departmentally and you'll also grow with respect to the amount of, of annual turnover that you're doing. Uh, I, I pulled down a definition from scale here because everyone's got a little different different version. But this, this is one I like, though. It says, scaling a business means setting the stage to enable the support and growth in your company. It means having the ability to grow without being hampered. It requires planning, some funding, and the right systems, staff, processes, technology, and partners. When a business is able to scale their operations, this means that they're able to handle a growing amount of work or sales in a capable, cost-effective manner. I love that description. I read that, and it's just like, yeah, this one tingled out to me. It's like, that makes sense to me. What, what do you think about that, Mick? Yeah, I agree, Jamie. That It sums it up perfectly. And scale is not just about adding weight to the business, it's not adding more people. It's about being able to effectively and capably take on more work and effectively deliver on that over and over again. And that's what scale's about and having those systems and processes. And there's a few key steps to scale before you scale. And there's a few key steps, probably there's, there's 10 or so things that you need to have. But the one of the things is making sure you got your foundation set, because if you scale without foundations, then you fall over. Yeah. Yeah. Build a skyscraper be- without foundations, it falls over. Exactly. Exactly. That's a beautiful analogy because your business is like that. If you don't take the proper steps to ensure that you have those foundations, if you just think, yep, I'm going to go out today and I'm going to add 10 new divisions and 10 new departments, and I'm going to go rent the tallest skyscraper downtown or rent the first 10 floors, you might be, you might be in a bit of a challenge position. Right. There's a lot of things that have to happen before that. And what we're going to share on the show today is really some of those key areas to go ahead, take a look at, and understand if your business is ready to scale. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, how do you know when your business is ready to scale? Hmm. You know, one thing for me is um, you've, you've got an abundance of work and you're struggling to get to the work. 
So you're you're not efficiently dealing the work you've got. So you need to scale your business. You need to take on either another department or more staff or or different sales team or, or grow a department or a process or scale it out so that it can handle more work effectively. And that doesn't mean just employing more people. That's scaling it so that it can whatever it is, if it's a online platform, upgrading your online platform so they can handle more uh, orders at a time, uh, upgrade your order fulfillment system so that it can handle more orders at a time. That Scaling your business doesn't just mean more people. It might necessarily mean just upgrading something so that it can handle, have bigger capability. And that's one of the indicators is that you're struggling to get to clients to give them the service they need. Then you need to look to grow or scale your system or your process or your people, whatever it is that delivers that service to your clients. Absolutely. Look, you know, I, I, I use this as an example of something that I've done, you know, not, not too recently, you know, within the last six months or whatnot. When I would have people come to me, uh, you know, they'd come, we'd do a free training and whatnot. We, we, we'd do something there. It was a very laborious process because it was, you know, it was really the business of myself and a few people that were helping me out. But what would happen in the background is, okay, someone would sign up. They'd, they'd put their name in. They'd stick their hand up. Yes, I want to be involved in that program. So what would have to happen? That would trigger a series of events, a series of events that was very, very, very manual. It, the, the, the time it took me to get these people in, to collect their information, to do these things, it was disproportionate. So what did I have to do? I had to scale that process up. I had to make a significant difference with exactly how I was doing that process and how I was managing it. What did it look like? What did I do? It was actually really quite simple. Uh, I looked at some email automations, right? What happens now? Someone comes in, boom, they get a series of emails. They get all these things done. I had some people come in. I, I, I scaled from that tech perspective because I'm not the best person to do that. That's the first thing that I recognize is I'm not the best person to go ahead and be, you know, writing all this stuff up and doing this. I brought people in to assist me. I had to scale from that perspective because if it was up to me, I'd still be sitting here doing it. I'd still be that guy that's doing it all manually, collecting everyone's stuff and putting it into a spreadsheet so that I could access it later. Now, it's a very automated process. That automated process enables me to do a ton more, right? We talk about working in that zone of genius, working in that area of genius. By me scaling that process, by me recognizing, number one, I've got to get someone in that can create me. Um, a, a predictable, repeatable, consistent system that's going to enable me to, to, to get out of doing all that stuff manually. That was a massive, massive, massive game changer for me right there. I scaled that portion of it. So now, now I look forward to it. Where before, even though I was looking to work with those clients, it was a bit of a stressful time because like, oh my God, how am I going to measure these people? What if I miss someone? What if I forget, right? All those things, I recognize that, that just that one small portion of the process, I had to scale it. I did that. Now it's great. Right now it happens automatically. It took investing, right? That, that's a big part of it. It had took investing responsibly into the company to put in those systems, to put in those processes. So now I don't have to do it. Yeah, Jamie, and that's, you said one key thing there. You had clients, but you're struggling to get to them effectively and efficiently and giving them your best. Again, that's that key indicator that maybe it's time to scale. Maybe you need to, uh, whatever it is, grow, scale that section of your business or that process. And exactly like we laid out before, it's not necessarily, Jamie could have just hired someone even casually to do it. But that's again, just adding weight without necessarily adding scale. It's not adding anything to the business. Yes, someone else could go there and manually, you could pay them manually to do all of that process and train them and that would be amazing. Or you could create a system or a process 
that is scalable because now if 500 people sign up, they still get exactly the same service as if two people are signing up. Because if you put a person on to do that role, then they have a limit of 100 clients onboarding. So then when you get to 200, you need another one and another one and you end up adding weight to the business without adding any size or growth. So that's why it's key when you look to scale, you look at what the outcome is. Okay, I want to bring clients on. I want to onboard them. I want to give them a consistent experience. I want this, 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 and this. What's the best way to do that? Is it a system or a process or is it a people thing? There are some things that you can't scale with a process. You know, that first interaction. I know one of my pet hates is you ring up a company and you go press one for this, press two for that. Yes, it handles up huge volume of calls for you and filters them to the right department but it is not very impersonal not very personable they're not very friendly and welcome and warming and depending on what you're trying to achieve if you're a telstra call center that's probably perfect for you but if you're a uh, a business coach or a business growth or, or even someone who thrives in customer service industry that's probably not the best thing for you pick up the phone have someone answer it and then that's a people thing that needs to be scaled with more people if you've got a massive volume of calls it gets to a point then you might need a second person on to deal with those calls to communicate with your clients to interact that's just you've got to look at what the process is and what the outcome is and if it's repeatable if it can be a process fantastic something that doesn't add weight that's bang on you were going to say something there jamie yeah, I really love the fact that you brought in the the, the call center aspect from it and not, um, you know, when you pick up, press one for this, press two for this. Yeah, it might seem like the thing to do. And please don't think that we're just talking about automate everything because there's certain things, at least my belief anyways, and hey, maybe, maybe that's a limiting belief or maybe it's a really great belief that retains customer service. But I'll tell you what, when it comes to actually making that contact, if you're in a people type service business, which... Uh, business training, mentoring, coaching, we are in a people-type service business. It's what we do. It's why we come on weekly. It's why we share our faces out there. It's why we get out there. Something like that. I don't want to go to that place where it's something completely automated. Sending out welcome emails, sending people information of actions that they need to take, that's easily scalable. The great thing there, whether it's two people or whether it's 20,000 people signing up, I'm going to get that exact same service. At this point, they're in, they're invested. This is an information exchange only. Whereas when someone is looking to actually learn about you, maybe you're, you're looking to set something up. I mean, one of the big things out there right now, and sorry, guys, that you use this, uh, it's this whole idea of chat sequencing, chat bots, all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, you can get it pretty good. But most of the time when you're inundated with these messages all the time, you can tell for the most part when something's coming across and it's an automated type system, right? And usually for myself, and hey, I can't be the only person out there. I'd love to know who's ever been hit by a chat bot, who's ever been hit by a chat sequence. You're like, oh, yeah, this is a chat sequence. I sure have. See, to me, it loses that, that, that customer connection piece there. Sure, it's scalable. Sure, it's going to give that same message. And yes, they're building in more and more and more AI into these processes as well to get it to be like a human. But unfortunately, I don't believe, at least again, my thought, that we're at that place where we can really, truly make the impact that we want to make by using these, the, you know, these automated pieces for actual first contact. Right. I like to test them. I like to play with them. I like to throw some interesting information in there to, to I'll say it, to fuck them up. 
right? I, I kind of do that because <laughs> you know what? I like to have a little bit of fun with it. I'm not going to lie. I like to have a little bit of fun with it to see what that sequence is going to do. So we're not saying automate everything, right? If there's a, a, a person in there, right, this might mean you having that assistant. I have my assistant, Raylene. She helps me out big time. She's helping me with this messaging. It's not some bot. It's not some, you know, whatever it is. It is a person. Right. That part. Yeah. If it came where a lot more people were making contact, I would have to scale that from a people perspective because making that connection, having that true, honest connection, that's something that's wicked, wicked, wicked important to us here. It's important to the team. It's it's one of our company values. We we live by that. So I'm so glad that you brought that up, Mick, because it's two different sides. Some people may think, hey, you know what? It's just yeah, get, get some automation, get some A.I., get get this and that. It's not just about that. It's so much more. It's understanding really where you need to scale and kind of brings us to our first point here, why you need to scale. Mm. Look, why is uber important. It's the fuel that drives us. We've talked about this a ton on the show. And why are you wanting to scale? Mm. What is it you want to achieve by scaling? You know, why, why is that the because scale for the sake of scale is, What's, you know, why are we doing it? Uh, is it going to add more value to your clients? Is it going to, what is the why? Like, you know, you, you've you've reached your limit of 30, 30 clients a month. That's all you can get to because your work, whatever it is. If you're a trader, you can do sort of 30-odd jobs a month or a week or depending on, you know, the type of work you do. What is it you need? Well, I've got an abundance of work and I really want to serve more of these customers and make sure they get their best value. Okay, sweet for me to do that. I need to find the right person to help serve them as well. Or I need to change my process if you're an online business or if you're a, a coach or a consultant, you need to change your process or do group or do different things. Now, if you look in the, uh, if you're in the training business, or the, you know, and you deliver training classes, your class is always full and more people are wanting your service and you want to make sure that the whole world is, you know, that safety is the first priority for all, you know, construction businesses across the world, then you need to make a scalable process, whether that's online platform, whether that's more trainers, whether that's a different geographical area, you know, you need to look at scale and, and there's got to be a why behind it. It's because you want to make sure that everyone's safe in the construction construction industry. So that's going to give you the fuel to know where to go next. Absolutely. Uh, scaling. I mean, th that's the one thing we're seeing a lot more. Let's pick on coaches for a moment here. Uh, coaches, what are they doing? They're going to a lot more of the group type stuff. The idea behind group is this group enables you to scale versus, you know, the one on one. I mean, you know, Mick, you and I, we do a lot of talking. We do a lot of one on one. We'll coach each other. We'll help each other out. We'll help each other grow our business to get that message out on a much larger format. We do what we do here. We get on. We, we broadcast. We transmit it out to the world to be able to share that message in such a bigger way. You're seeing a lot more coaches, those groups that you're being invited to all the time and interesting story there on the groups we won't get into it today but those groups that you're being brought into and stuff to be a part of that's really a piece of scaling it because like you said you got your trading that can do those 30 jobs a week a month whatever it is same thing with coaches <coughs> right same thing with those coaches they can only see so many clients at a time you know when i worked for tony robbins uh, my max client load i think i was up 118 119 clients but i was maxed out i was working 12 hours a day for the most part, I was back to back to back to back, right? There, were, there, there was no breaks. It'd be like 30 minute, 30 minute, 30 minute, 30 minute. The thing is with that 118 clients, I was tapped. I was completely, absolutely, totally tapped out. There was no room. 
the only way that I could have done something to scale up is to bring multiple people in at once so that I could deliver that same sort of value, but deliver it to those multiple people, right? That would have been a scale for me. It, it wasn't an option when I worked with Tony, but that would have been one way I could have taken my business and scale it. And that's why you're seeing coaches out there really pushing towards the group aspect, right? That's, that's just that one way. An exercise that I like to do, exercise that we'll share with you here today. Mick and I have done this exercise as well. It's a simple list of your 10 reasons, your 10 musts as to why. Here's the thing. We're talking about, is your business right to scale? Is it the right time to scale? If you can't give yourself these 10 reasons why, reasons like um, so that I can serve all the clients, so that I can reduce the backlog, so that I can uh, reduce or eliminate my wait list, Right? If you can't give yourself those 10 reasons as to why you must scale, perhaps I might make the suggestion, perhaps it might be not the right time to go ahead and scale. Maybe you've got to say, you know what, until we get to that point, that point in time where we're at this area, once you hit that area, once you hit that level of service that you're either able to or not able to service, right? then that's a clear sign. Give yourself that gift. Really get into this. Like, take the time, spend the time on this. What are my 10 musts for scaling? Why must I scale? What are the 10 reasons, my 10 key drivers, as to why I absolutely must do it right now? If I can't do it, if I can't give myself those 10 key areas, I've really got to reevaluate that. Am I scaling for the, for the sake of scaling? Uh, our mentor, right? We both love him, Kerwin Ray, right? Scale yeah. equals freedom. Scale equals freedom at the right time, at the right place. It's like saying pick the low-hanging fruit. It's great to pick the low-hanging yeah. fruit, but what if that freaking fruit isn't ripe? Does it make sense to pick it at that point? I don't think so. Right? Make sure that the fruit that you're about to pick, that your business is ready to be able to scale. Otherwise, you're going to be spending some money. You're going to be you know, investing in some things that you're really not ready for. You won't be able to take full advantage of them. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. And that is really, really critical when you want to scale is making sure your business is ready because what will happen is you might scale and it will go amazingly well, but you'll get to a point where you'll stop scaling and you might start to go backwards. You might start to slowly go down. You might fall over in a, in a big heap. Uh, yep. You know, it happens in the construction industry a lot. Builders take on big jobs, big jobs, and they take on this massive job and they don't have the foundation, the financial finance financial foundation to scale that big and to take on projects that big and they fall over you know, and many a trade company has been burnt by the builder that took on too many big jobs and fell over couldn't financially back all of those jobs at the same time yep. so you've got to make sure that your business is ready to scale that you've got those foundations in place to scale you, you know you've got all the things that we've talked about your, your mission and your purpose and your values they're the guiding principles as you scale that you do, that you make the right choices. If you don't have values in place, how are you knowing that you're making the right decisions as you scale? You can get off course and go away from your values and that's when you have culture problems and all kinds of things. So you need to make sure that you've got all those foundations in place, locked in before you scale. I know when you're just a one-man starting off and you're like, well, oh, I know what everything is and off you go and you start growing your business. But if you don't have all that stuff in place, when you bring your first person on, that foundation isn't through, isn't permeated through all of your processes because it's just you. And you bring someone on and you just share what you think and then that's when you start to get distortion away from your values and your mission and your purpose because you haven't laid that foundation and made it permeate through everything you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of those foundation pieces is having 
um, your SOPs, your standard operating procedures. If you haven't done that, right, if you haven't taken the time to really go through and understand what it is you do and be able to hand that off, you've already lost. That sounds like a pretty mean, a pretty big statement, but that's the absolute truth. See, if you're not taking the time to actually set yourself up for success by documenting what it is you do. You don't have to have it. I mean, I, I actually wrote some, some, I guess you would call them technical SOPs. I'm talking the spacing, the font, everything had to be just absolutely perfect. And this is a guy that, yeah, using Word, man, that's not my jam. I don't know about all the little, you know, special things with Word and all that. I can write out a doc. I can write out some stuff. What do I do? I send it off my head. I'm not the guy that's formatting and doing all that. I'm not saying that you have to do that, but does it not make sense that say you had to be away for some time, you had to be away from your work or something like that, would the business be able to continue with the amount of information that you have out there that you've put together, right? That, 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 that how-to book, right? How to run the business. If you don't have one of those, that's a key foundational piece. If you don't have one of those, you're not ready to scale, right? You're really not. Now, again, it comes down to the quality of the document. Do you have to have everything just absolutely perfect? No, you don't. For those of you who are who have decided that, hey, you know what? I am ready to scale. I need to bring on this. Here's what I would suggest. I'll share something with you that I share with my clients. Number one, go ahead and write the skeleton of the document. Right? These are the things that you don't know. We all, we all hear about the things that we don't know because you don't know what you don't know. Isn't that the absolute truth? But if you write at least the bare bones, that person that's coming in, number one, you're hiring them. You're bringing them on, whether it's a contractor whether it's an employee, whatever it is, you're bringing them on for their specific expertise. Does it not make sense that when you give them the bare bones, they're the ones that are going to add the meat, the muscles, the skin, the, the, the guts and everything to it to actually build it out? See, that's another area where you can leverage those people that are coming in when you decide, okay, I, I need to do this marketing department. For me to write a, a, a full you know, SOP on marketing, on this and that, that would be foolish. Right. My jam isn't on teaching you how to go market. Right. My own business. I've got people that do that for me. I've got experts that absolutely do that for me. Do I need to know about it? Not a chance. Right. That's not my jam. I don't want to be a marketing expert. I have enough. <laughs> I guess I have enough information to be dangerous. But really. <laughs> right. And we know what that'll do for us. But really, you're going to bring in those experts. So even if you have the rough outline of what you need to do, they can fill in the rest of that. Right? They can bring that missing piece to it. Um, take a look, right? Really take a look at it. Get your list together. What are the reasons why I have to do it? And then where do I have to scale? You want to take that one away, Mick? Look, that's absolutely the very next step you need to take is where do I need to scale? And that's looking at your business and having a good hard look. Where is the bottleneck? Where is... I've got an abundance of clients, so where is the bottleneck that's stopping me from being able to deliver to those? That's the area you need to scale. Is it in delivery? Is it on customer onboarding? Is it on uh, the sales process? You've got lots of leads, lots of people coming in the door. You get lots of phone calls, but you're not getting the work. In the trade business, you're 30, 40 people ringing up a week for quotes, but you're only winning five. Okay, so what's the go here? Where is that the bottleneck? You're not getting to the quotes in time. You're taking too long. Where's the bottleneck in your business? That's the bit you need to look at, and that's the very first step you need to scale. And that's where you look at, can I automate it? Is it a people thing? Uh, whatever it is. So like with your quoting, 
what is it what's taking so long is it are, are people requesting the same thing all the time can i set up some templates so we can just say yep send that quote to them uh to speed up the process yes you don't have the capacity right now to put on a, someone to do estimating or quoting for you but can you build some standard templates to speed the process up instead of having to go and inspect and build every quote from scratch can you have 80 percent of the background done so that when you go and look at the job and you go, okay, well, it needs A, B, and C, just add D to it and we can send that quote out. Um, whatever it is, is it customer onboarding? Like Jamie said, that customer onboarding process, what that's the bottleneck. There's only so many people one person can bring on. Can I automate that? Can I build some technology and do I need another person? That's where the next step is, is, is to looking at your business and the flow and finding where that bottleneck is to achieve the outcome. If it's yeah. more clients, you want to be able to deliver to more clients, you've got the leads, where is it not com- coming through? And then that's the process you need to automate. Uh, absolutely. Or, sorry, scale. Yep, a- absolutely. That is key. I, I know for myself, just just myself, my own business, when I first started doing that all myself, it was a good two and a half hours per client with all the stuff that I had to send out. Now I press a couple buttons, the system takes over, the emails are getting sent out, this is getting set up, they're getting automatically sent, the, you know, the, the contracts, all that sort of stuff. It just makes so much sense, right? To think that I didn't do that, that I didn't invest that time. And I'm going to be honest here. Um, you know, one of the things that I resisted for the longest time, it was my own foolishness, but was really sitting down and writing those emails, getting those emails done, right? What do they need? What do they need to do? I'm like, oh, I can just write each one. That's a foolhardy statement. That was, was, was a non-sustainable process. I recognized very quickly. I've got to scale this. I've got to make it so it's repeatable, so that it's easy, and I chose automation for that portion of it. Now it's simple. Again, what do I do? I press a couple buttons. There we go. But how did I get there? Right? Really, 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 how did I get there? I had to look at the existing processes. And this really ties in as to where to scale, because I like to look at really optimizing my business at this point. Right? What are all the processes I have? What are all the things I do? How many different touch points do, do I have? I'll share a story here. Um, long, long, long time ago, it was a very different industry. I was in the parts industry. I'm a journeyman parts person there. And I, I worked on the wholesale side of, a, of an aftermarket uh, part. So we, we dealt with suspension lifts and all the toys for the trucks and all that sort of stuff. And we had a gentleman there, um, I'll call him Al, and he was very interesting. And I didn't understand fully at the time, but he was always worried about counting keystrokes. I'm like, what? Counting keystrokes. I'm like, who gives a shit? Type the stuff in, get it done, get the customer's order. But he was very much on, you know, counting those keystrokes, eliminating keystrokes, eliminating waste. Now, I was a young guy at the time. I didn't get it. But now, now I get that. Now I get exactly what he was doing. What was he doing? He was looking to optimize each and every area to eliminate the waste, to cut back on any unnecessary work. Now, for the most part, it was keystrokes. How many keystrokes can we save? How, how many things do we not have to do? I recognize the impact of that now in business. And really, maybe what we want to think about is, is, and I'm using the air quotes here, is count your keystrokes. Maybe that's something that we've got to remember. I don't mean that actually as you're typing things in, but if each action you took, each and everything that you had to do on a consistent basis, you actually counted the amount of steps, right? Um, um, the principles of um, um, Kaizen, right? Japanese and all that, the, the, the Six Sigma. Right. It's really about looking at those steps, eliminating waste, eliminating anything that's unnecessary. 
you can do this in your business. You can take a look at each and every process that you have. Is your process solid? Could mm-hmm. it run without you? And is there any fat to trim? That's a big one, trimming fat. Can you think of any examples, present, past, any processes, anything that you do you know, in the business as a whole where there's opportunity to significantly improve it? Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. I actually had a conversation with a friend last night about um, corporate changes for the sake of corporate changes, which is mm-hmm. what inspired, um, you know, scaling, and they wanted to, to be able to achieve more work or whatever. So um, the process of, you know, with in the trade industry, you need gear for a job. So you go, you know, depending on where you are, you go to the to the wholesaler or to the to your central store or something, and you collect the parts. Um, do you have a storm and get everything ready for you or uh, a parts person, get it already, package it up for that job and put it there and then you just go collect it. So it takes you 15 minutes to go down to the store, collect the gear, go start work. Or do you go out into the workshop, pick all the parts individually? Yeah, you don't need to have a store person doing it. So you save on store person, but then use as the tradesman who's generally on a fair bit more than the parts, the store person, mm-hmm. go in and collect all the parts you need. You know, what's more efficient? you're cutting down one department but taking more in another um so that process you know, trimming the fat for me then you look at that process and you say well we hire a tradesman to do work mm-hmm. so let's their core business is doing work it's not collecting parts so for that process if we trim that time down have to spend more time out in the field more billable hours out in the field more time delivering to clients less time getting the stuff ready so they can do what they're good at and do their specialized. So that's trimming that process. And that was one of the part of the conversation, you know, looking at what their core business is or what their area of expertise is and getting to spend more time in that. So trim the fat off the process where they spend less time. If you're a trainer um, in the safety business and your trainers have got 10 hours of paperwork to do or 10 hours of administration work to do for every class they deliver, can we cut that down so that they can spend more time delivering classes because that's what earns money? Yep. What what can we do to the process to trim that off so that we can automate, that we can add assistance, we can add whatever it is so that they can spend more time delivering training and less time uh, doing the admin process stuff behind the scenes. Yep. Um, yep. And for me, there, there are a couple of opportunities to trim fat out of, out of roles that have just popped up from my yep. experience. That, that's beautiful, Mick, and that's exactly it. You know, the key thing there, you, you're talking about, you know, the store person, the, the parts person, you know, going and picking the parts. Just think about that. Technician, use yourself as the technician, as the tech that's doing the work. You don't know where all the stuff is stocked. How much extra time is it going to take for you to say, okay, row A, row B, row C, okay, yeah, down row C, it's down here, it's in the fifth bin down. You don't know this stuff, whereas that person who's in that warehouse, that stock person, that parts person, whatever they are, they're going to know where this stuff is. It becomes second nature to them. They're like, yeah, I know exactly where that is. Even just that extra couple minutes, you add that up over a month, over a year, that's significant savings. There's significant fat that can be trimmed from that. Chances are as well, the, the, the wage discrepancy between you know, a parts person, a stock person versus a technician in the field, there's a wage discrepancy there too. Typically those technicians, they're getting paid more money. Right? They, they typically are. There's that cost savings. There's a time savings. You start adding that up you can save a significant amount of money. Chances are, right, when you train that, 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 that stock person up well enough, you've got them on top of it there, they can easily pay for themselves. They can easily do that. Easily. Right? It, 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 no question about it. That right there, that's going to help your business 
grow radically. Talking about optimizing, though, really looking at your processes and stuff, um, for me, it's the 86%, 86% principle, right? Until you've become 86% efficient, right, with the existing resources that you have, I'd probably recommend not scaling up, not growing, not adding extra to it. Got to be some sort of measurement, right? So how do we measure it, right? Measuring is key. If you can't measure it, it's not real. If you can't measure it, you can't track it. So what do we want to look for? We want to look for measurements, uh, you know, depending on efficiency. I can give a bunch of examples, but is it really going to be relevant? It may not, right? Um, technician, right? Billable hours. Or here, let's let's pick on lawyers. Let's pick on something totally different. Uh, time spent versus billable hours. Uh, automotive technicians, typically they'll have flat rate times to, you know, change parts or this or that. Is that person hitting those flat rate times? Are they using extra time? Or are they actually, you know, able to do it in less time? Many of the really great master technicians and all that, they can do it in less than book time. They're actually able to put in what someone would consider a 10-hour day. They can do that 10-hour day in eight hours because they become so efficient at that. When we're using at least 86% of our workforce and we've still got you know, customer vehicles to be worked on, we've still got customer vehicles coming in, that might be a really great time to look at scaling that workforce up to really yep. you know, add that extra person on to, to bring that in. Until we hit that 86%, though, I'd really recommend holding back. What's your thoughts on that, Mick? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's, um, it's, if you're not 86% efficient, then there's no point, there's no need to scale because when you get to 86%, the difference from 86 to 90, 95, 100 doesn't actually add much to your business. It takes away because at 86% efficient, that gives you the, the time. There's a degree of lost time in every workday and at 86 percent it's a jamie and i experience your workday is pretty close to full if you're 86 percent efficient you're getting as far as you can towards full and then then it's time to look to scale but if you're only at 50 percent, then just be more efficient and you can deliver more without scaling your business right and that's where optimizing so the, those pro yeah that's where optimizing those processes come in comes in go ahead yeah yeah so at 86 you know if you might need to optimize a process to get to 86%, but it's not scaling. You don't need to grow. You don't need to add more staff. If you're not at 86%, then you're not using what you've got efficiently. You just need to use what you've got efficiently. Once you've got that, then you can move forward to 86. Then you can move forward to add more resources, add another process in or do whatever it is you need to do. Yep, definitely. Now, here's another part to this. Have you ever, ever heard a business owner, business operator think, well, my God, what if we can't serve all the clients? You know, we've got to add a bunch of people right away. Have you ever heard a business owner, business operator say anything like that? <laughs> I have. I need yeah. to get more staff because we can't, the phones yeah. are ringing too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, that's a quality problem to have. Great, awesome, absolute, amazing, incredible problem to have. Phone's ringing too much, you can't answer it all. That's great. But here's the thing. If a person, all they do is add, add, add. Again, I remember myself. Um, thankfully, this story worked out well. I, I managed a parts store. Uh, it, was a, it was a local parts store. We had just come. We'd opened in the town. And I was very focused on the growth to get the maximum amount of customers. I wanted to provide the best service. I wanted to blow the other two parts stores out of the water, which we were actually, we were able to close one of them down. Yay. Sucks to be the other parts store. But nonetheless, Right. It was really, truly all about providing that massive service. So myself, I was significantly younger at the time, didn't have all these business skills. 
so I just, I started bringing people in. I bring drivers in. I would hire drivers, hire drivers, hire drivers. I'd get more vehicles. Now I wasn't as concerned what it was doing to the actual overhead of, of the business and whatnot. And that's why I say, thankfully it worked out, right? Thankfully it worked out, but I didn't really truly understand the 86% principle. I just saw, okay, there's orders waiting. There's customers that are calling in. They're saying they're not getting their stuff fast enough. We're the new guy in town. I have to do something about it. But the great thing is, though, is I didn't focus on, I didn't get all focused on the worst case scenario. I didn't catastrophize the situation, say, oh, my God, we're going to get shut down. We're going to have to close because we can't serve all these people. I didn't go to that area. There's something to be said for that. We can plan for contingencies. We can plan for all the stuff that can go wrong. But for everything that can go wrong, something can go amazingly right. For myself, in that situation, Things went right because the customers came on board. We had the products, we had the stock available, and we had kick-ass, absolutely outstanding customer service. We rocked. No one could touch our delivery times and all those sort of things, and that's why it impacted the other businesses that were in town. No question about it whatsoever. Planning for contingencies, we're not going to plan for every single potential thing that can go wrong. If we do that, um, we're going to be overloaded. We're going to be overburdened on our bottom lines, on our payroll lines, and all that sort of stuff. Instead, go ahead and focus on maybe the top two or three areas of potential concern. Have a contingency plan for that. You know, what are the big, big, big things that if they went wrong, we'd be in some serious problem? Focus in on those, have that contingency plan, and then go ahead and focus your energy, focus your intent on everything you want. Say something does go wrong, you've got that contingency plan. You've got that backup plan in place, but you're not expending a ton of extra resources in the company, allocating funds for this and this emergency fund, this, this, this. You're not going to screw yourself up. Two, three of the top contingencies there, all the rest, put it towards moving yourself forward. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about what you focus on in that respect. You, you want to scale your business. Yes, you've got a contingency how if you spend all of your time and energy focusing on the contingencies, then you're not focusing on scaling your business uh, in those key areas, those one or two, three key areas that you need to scale. Um, that's where your energy is. Yes, put a contingency plan in place, have there, but that's not your primary focus. Your primary focus is on scaling your business. And that's that's the key because where you focus, where focus goes, energy flows, as Tony says, um, and many others. So, you know, focus where you want your energy to go. Focus on the scale and the growth and your opportunities and but by all means, don't forget about a contingency plan. Have something there as a backup. Set it in place, but then all your focus needs to go in the direction you're heading. Absolutely. Look and look what this does. Like this brings us really right back to the whole mindset piece. Look, we're we're not kidding you when we tell you that mindset matters most, right? It is absolutely a mindset. If I get centered in and I get focused in on all the shit that can go wrong, I'm going to bring more of that into my business. I'm going to bring more of that into my life. Plan for contingencies. Have a plan. Have a different way to go around. It's not about putting the blinders on and saying, you know, nothing can ever happen to me because this is absolutely perfect. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to happen. A great leader is aware. Leadership, we're going to talk about that. A great leader is aware of what's going on. They've got those plans, but they're focused on the motion forward. Um, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time listening to Jocko Willink and Leif Babin in their book, they've got the two books, they've got extreme ownership and they've got the dichotomy of leadership. Mm. And, you know, this is one of those things when, when, when they were in there, when they were SEALs and all that, they didn't focus and just totally focus on all the things that can go wrong. No, they focused on the mission objective. 
they were aware they were definitely aware of what could go wrong they had contingency plans should shit go sideways but ultimately what did they do they got super focused laser focused on what the outcome was and also again it was something to do with you know the 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 chances of achievement of the mission if there was too much risk you know, it's not that they were risk adverse. They'd go in and they'd do kick-ass things that you and I would probably never even dream of doing. It's not that they were risk adverse, but if there was far too much risk involved, if they couldn't mitigate those risks, they wouldn't take that mission on either, right? Focus on the outcome. Focus in on what it is you want, not what you don't. The contingency plan, that's there for that. If things go sideways, you've got another, you've got an escape route. You've got something else that you can do on that. Right. Key part of scaling. Right. It really, truly is key part of scaling. Do those contingency plans require me to do something different? Do I have enough resources to be able to manage it? Now, Tony Robbins, what would he say? It's never a lack of resources. It's, it's lack of resourcefulness. Part of that mitigation, that's turning on your resourcefulness. That's really going to that area right there. Yeah, absolutely. And resources means lots of things. It means cash, it means people, it's infrastructure and you don't quite have the facility uh, to scale. You need to take on some more work, but you need more storage. Yep. Well, that's the size of a building. We can't do it. Well, what if you could hire a small bit of storage of someone nearby or, you know, like start to think outside the box. Oh, well, you know, these are the kinds of things we're talking about. You be resourceful. There's always a way to, there's always a solution. Yeah. Yep. And that's a, that's a non-limiting belief of mine because there is always mm-hmm. a solution. Yep. Uh, you know, and that's, look that resourcefulness what is it i don't have the cash sweet what's the solution how do we get it yeah yeah if you did have the cash where would it come from you know like this start to look be resourceful in the way you approach the problem approach the challenge no question whatsoever look we had more to talk about but that really brings us to the end of this show oh my god that's 40 minutes we're 40 minutes ago it's just like it was there then it was (laughs) gone You know what? You you get into those topics, and it's like wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. It was a it was absolutely great show today. Some real key takeaways in there with respect to scaling your business, with respect to growing your business. Um, excited to share more next week. I think we're going to delve into leadership. Uh, we've got some really juicy stuff coming up on leadership. Some exercises that we want to share. A bunch of really key information that we're going to talk about next week. So be sure to join us if you're not a member. Please go ahead. Join Insiders Elite right now, iebegroup.com. That website, again, is iebegroup.com. Go ahead, join us on the inside. We broadcast there. We share additional extra information for insiders only. Most importantly, we want you as a part of our tribe. So what do you think? Is it time and should you scale your business? The answer, it's ultimately up to you. But if the signs are pointing towards scaling, then it might be time for you to go ahead and take that next step in order to create more freedom and build a profitable company that will last. Myself and my team are always here to help, and we're only a message away. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Jamie J Podcast. If you did, please make sure to subscribe to our channel to receive notifications of the latest episodes as we release them. And don't forget that if there's a topic that you would like us to cover, please let us know. We love hearing from you. Until next week, be the lion and live your very best life and business inspired.